Okay, we're back. Take two. How's it going? This is James Geralds with the Art and Bullshit Podcast. Once again, we're recording live from Fresno, California, returning with episode four. Currently, we're recording in the Vatican Custom Framery. My guest is a great Dane in the frame game. He is a concillionaire of Cassetta and Casein Framings. He is a practitioner of plain air. You may have seen him around Fresno, and I've definitely learned a lot from this guy. We're just going to cut through the fat guys. This is Nigel Robertson, one of my esteemed mentors, the founder of the Vatican Framery. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Nigel. What's up? So, Nigel... How's everything going with you today? Good, man. Fantastic. I'd like to thank you on the, thank you for coming out. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so for those who don't know, why don't you give them a kind of quick rundown of who you are and what you do? Um, sure. Um, so, uh, my name's Nigel. Uh, I decided in, like, first grade I wanted to be an artist, and... Um, that was when uh, I was coloring a picture with Crayola crayons, and uh, all these kids huddled around me and was like, wow, look at that. And I was like, this is a cool feeling. I think I want to do this. And uh, so I guess I'm developmentally, like from you know three to seven, that's when kids really develop their finest creative you know, abilities and uh, desires. And so that's mm. when mine popped for wanted to do art and I was kind of groomed to do art ever since but I don't know I have some opinions on that okay so okay so now when you say you were groomed to do art ever since can you kind of go into a little bit more detail about that yeah I mean my my folks would get me colored pencils and different markers to try out and uh they would uh get me like different uh, you know art supplies and let me try different things out and I just kept working at it and we've done a lot of stuff from graphic design, computer animation, 3D design, graffiti, um, you know music. Um, I'm really big into electronic music and DJing and producing my own tracks and okay. All right, so, okay, so let's pause and let's rewind for a little bit. Now, were your parents, are your parents artistic? Is the artistic gene in your family? Uh, my dad's a musician. He plays music and mm. uh, collects instruments and whatnot. And so um, he's pretty artistic. He did pottery when I was younger. Okay. In backyard and stuff like that. And I played with clay a lot as a nice. kid. And had access to a little, like, workbench with a bunch of different tools to like tinker with things, mm, take okay. stuff apart. I'm an avid lover of playing with Lego. <laughs> yeah. Built a lot of my ideas out in Lego mm. and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. See, you know, I, honestly, Nigel, when I was a kid, my parents would buy me Legos. I would build it once, it would get knocked over, and that was it. Like, never and then it. I was never, I was never, I didn't have that, like, architectural ingenuity yeah. to build something, you know. I could never figure out, like, okay, I'm going to build a plane out of Legos. Yeah, I would, I would get a kit, and I'd build it, um, and then I would rip it apart and already build, combine it with other kits, and mm. start building up. You know, new things with those kids. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay, I hear it. That's cool. So now, so from there, you went to, you know, like, okay, so you're a kid. You, you got the Legos where we're kind of grooming. And then you said you had kind of made a pit stop in graffiti. And then uh, can yeah. you kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, I had a friend named Rudy in high school. And uh, he was really good. Like, he, he had good writing style. And my writing was horrible and atrocious. Mm. And I was like, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is clean. This is sick. Like, mm. I love the way this looks. And so... He started teaching me like penmanship and uh, writing style. He was like a old OG OTW cat. Okay, okay. And, uh, On the wall crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's who, that's who I learned to write from. And then I made friends with uh, Timber. And then I hung okay. out with Timber for a long time. Okay. Still do occasionally. Cool. Special occasions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you when you got in, you you went right in and you started with the cream, with like with the with the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, because I went to Roosevelt, and mm. had the arts program, and we had you know a lot of graffiti writers in the school, mm. and uh, yeah, we had a cool, very cool art department, and uh, they guided me. You know, they nurtured my you know, artistic, uh, desires, because uh, I took, like, three periods of art, you wow. know, daily, you know, Damn. and, uh, you know, so, I was doing <coughs> three hours, three, four hours of art every day, not to mention drawing, Wow. like, outside, like, out just at lunchtime, or after school, okay. or just, you know, we'd leave school and go draw, okay. you know. So, you, how did you manage to to swindle that in school to get three hours of art? Uh, it was the School of the Arts program. Oh, okay, okay, I got and you, so I got they, you. You know, they let you oh, okay. do that back in the 90s. So now, were you into classical art, like the to the Renaissance period back then? No one ever showed me classical art. I didn't see, cl- like, you know, you see the Mona Lisa and you're like, what's that? And mm-hmm. you know, no one really explains that it was a painting. It's just like a famous work of art. and mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they don't. They're vague about what it is, or they were to me, and they, we were more shown like uh, modern art and mm. really abstract things. That was what was like popular in Got the nineties. Okay. And uh, so, if you went to an art gallery, it'd be this weird installation that they called art, and you're like, it's in this nice clean room, and it's got a little label on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And this is art right here, and so you're like. Okay, cool. Uh, it's art. Then that's anything's art, I guess. And, and uh, I mean, it, gosh, it must have been. Uh, I must have been like twenty before I really, or nineteen before mm-hmm. I saw my first like old master painting. And we were at the Norton Simon with my girlfriend, and uh, we were looking at all this like abstract stuff. Like they had Dolly, and Dolly was cool. I, mm-hmm. I really liked Dolly. Yeah. And then there was this room of old master stuff, like Dutch paintings. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And I was like, and they're like, oh, get out of here. That stuff's depressing. I'm like, hold on. I want to look at this. Like, <laughs> right? This is sick. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. How come? Like, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I started looking up the old masters, and I 
eventually was in like city college taking drawing classes and i found out about rembrandt mm, okay and uh they had a bunch of rembrandt books in the city college library nice so i just was in there after class every day just like looking at rembrandt and looking mm. at what colors he used and and his layering processes and i learned about oil paint that way wow and uh, I took drawing for a long time from Ann Scheid, and uh, that was cool. Um, but uh, in Ann Scheid's great, but I wish I had a more fundamental, technical uh, level of instruction mm -hmm. from an earlier age. I think I'd be a better drawer. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty, I know how to draw now, mm -hmm. um, but um, it took to find, I had to find like uh, Nanette McDearson and she recommended I look into Florence and I'm like, what's Florence? <laughs> like, I don't even know what Florence is. Like, what is Florence? Where is it? Oh, Florence is a city in Italy. Right, right, right. And that's right. where Da Vinci lived and Da Vinci painted the lady. <laughs> and so that's how. Uh, so I, and then soon I realized, holy shit, like Florence was the spot. That's yeah. where all the Ninja Turtles were at. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And, and uh, you know, everybody goes to Florence and, and even like John Singer Sargent was born in Florence. And, mm. um, you know, well, art his, history trivia. There you go. Um, and then... So I ended up in Florence, and I set out my goal to go to the Florence Academy because it was they had really sick artwork, mm -hmm. and it was it was a naturalist tradition. It looked the impression of it was exactly identical to looking at someone standing in front of you. It was like better than photograph. Yeah. And so I set out to learn that, and uh, I applied and got in. I started practicing, and I I. I was timid for about like four years mm. to even apply, and uh, I was like, "Oh, missed the deadline again. I guess I got to do it this <laughs> next year." And so I, I was about, I, I believe I was 25 or 26 when I finally applied after knowing about it for quite a while. Wow! And uh, got in, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't think they'd let me in." Mm -hmm. My work's not good enough. <laughs> but that wasn't true, you know. It's like, your work's, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are when you go or when you get some training. Um, it just matters that you do it. Right, um, okay. You know, getting academic training from anyone's a good idea, you know, really paying attention. Because, you know, once you get out, you can, you're free to do anything you want. You can go be a potter. You know, I'm a frame maker now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I still use those principles of academic drawing to make frames and like right. design and sharpness of edges mm -hmm. and transitions and things. Like, I'm still thinking about all that stuff. When you're when making, making your frames. frames. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what the, fo you know, where the focal point's going to go, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, definitely um where that hearing you talk about that is something that I would have never 
thought about because you know it's it's one of those things where you know I've I've come in here and you know helped out on a few projects and you've kind of showed me you know the basics of of the framing but when I am assisting you know and learning this craft I'm not thinking okay when he designed these particular pieces of art the this is where the focal point was or this was you so hearing you say that definitely makes me look at it in a completely different manner yeah you know sure. yeah. and have a I, you know and i've always had a a level of appreciation for them because they are you know there there's a high level of craftsmanship and what goes into them you know is is crazy uh but you know now looking at from the artist side and ha and having you explain it that way you know i definitely look at them a little a little yeah. deeper now yeah so you went to florence then you you learned yeah the well, tradition then, uh it was there when I decided I wanted to learn to make frames. Okay. They gave like materials workshops, and then they did a frame making workshop and told about the traditional layers of making a frame mm. and how to do it. And they showed us with gold uh, metal leaf, and I was like, "Oh, it's like I was like that's amazing, gold leaf." And I thought metal leaf was gold leaf. I didn't. They didn't really even explain the difference and. Took me a long time to learn after about actual gold leaf and its okay. properties and stuff. Right, because gold leaf will disintegrate, right, if you touch it. Yeah, yeah, it's very fragile. Mm -hmm. It's only a molecule thick, basically. It's a, maybe a molecule and a half thick, mm -hmm. a sheet of gold, and uh, so uh, a molecule, if I'm not mistaken, is twelve atoms. Mm. So it's like if you're looking at a sheet of gold, you're looking at something that's barely. Like eighteen to twenty-four atoms. Man, yeah, that's wow. When you put it like that, it definitely uh, you have a higher I level. Could be all wrong about that, uh -huh. but if, if it's sure okay, we we don't fact check on the art and bullshit podcast. We could, we don't <laughs> recommend you know people do. Yeah, you might yeah. Be surprised if I'm right. Oh yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> the the internet. You guys feel free to go ahead. We know you're right there near your keys, so feel free to Google it. And uh, you guys can fact check, but here, you know, we, we're, we're already in it. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you were out there in Florence, like, what were some of the experiences that you, that you had? What were some of the things that you saw that really inspired you to, you know? Because you were talking about, um, like, the frame making. Yeah. I mean, uh, things aren't perfect over there, you know. They're pretty perfect, but you notice flaws and stuff. Like, everything's flawed and old and beat up and... Um, there's, and I mean, you notice, I don't know, like when you get there, you notice there's, things aren't as good as you expect them to, oh, but okay. then they're better than you ever expected Wow. at the same time. Okay. So you, you know, when you come from America and you've never seen craftsmanship like this and, uh, it totally blows your mind. It's like. You almost can't even see what they did because it's so complex. Mm. And uh, but then after you spend a lot of time with it and you get your eyes trained, you start noticing how insane some of these works of art were and how crazy these frames were that they made out of God knows what hand tools, you know, yeah. random ass hand tools. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. You know, because, I mean, I don't know the history behind saws, but mm. I don't think they used too fancy stuff back then. Like, right. If I'm not mistaken, the Dutch used windmills to power their mills. Wow. You know? So the wind would turn all the gears, and that's how they got the power to the that's machines. That's crazy. And that's how they had power tools, is mm. wind. And, you know, I I don't know what Italians used, if they used, you know, water yeah. or, huh. or what. Yeah, because they had more Before access. electricity. So mm -hmm. that's like the fact that they could create these amazing pieces of art, mm -hmm. frame, fine art frames, is pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah. Realize that they didn't have jack for tools. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely take all this but away. Then at and then at the same time, the tools they had were a lot more infinitely sophisticated than ours, hmm. in a sense, in a lot of ways, too. You know, a lot of weird stuff that they used back then that we don't know anything about. Okay. These days, only like an antique master could be able to tell you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what this device is even for. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so now um, we talked about we talked about that. So like at that point, so you went there and then you came back to um, to the U.S. Right now, um, let me ask you: What were some of the things like after you leave? Like looking back, what were some of the things you know? Uh, that you took away from that, like if you were to do, like what were you know if you were to do well, it. Well, you know, I, I formed my plan in two years being there. I decided I didn't want to go through the painting program. I'd like to go back someday if I ever have the money. Mm -hmm. um, but in two years, I got all the way to my pair, and that's like where you get to enter advanced paintings when you hit your pair. And I was like, okay fuck the pair, I want to go outside and landscape paint, because I learned about, like, um, Mark D'Alessio and Leo Mancini and uh, Joe Altour, and uh, they're doing the landscape thing mm -hmm. and doing quite well at it and uh, making really beautiful Impressionist paintings and nice. Impressionist, not in, like, the, like, uh, Corot and... Monet sense of the word, but okay. uh, late 19th century Italian Impressionism is what they're more doing. Okay. And um, so if you look up like the Macchiaiole um, and like um, names like Philadelphia Simi and um, Lu Giacchino, um, it's one of my favorites. Those guys were doing like. Italian late 19th century early 1900s like realism mm. that is like so real it looks like you just walk in mm. to the painting it's ridiculous the, yeah like the way the light glows like this the luminescence of the sky looks like you're looking at a actual sky wow in a tiny little rectangle yeah, I'm yeah. yeah <laughs> I gotta look those guys up um, man you know and there's there's a the Macchiaiole was like a big group of Italian landscape painters. A lot of them were like ex-soldiers and rough and tough dudes. Mm. And they would they would just like paint on whatever they could find. They'd find pieces of wood at the market and like trim it and gesso it and paint it. Wow. And, uh, 
everybody went to Zeki's, um, which is the art supply store. There. Yeah. Florence, I, I use, I got a ton of Zeki's stuff. And, okay. But that's, you know, you know that's, that, that that's where they went to get their gesso and okay classic materials you know? yeah because i didn't had a pochade box from zeki's yeah. that's when i was yeah. trying to remember where he got that because yeah. I, I was like man that's a cool box yeah it's a very fancy box mm-hmm. yeah yeah hmm. um yeah so i mean in florence i learned you know i want to make frames frames are really cool they can really you know, and I was a Mark Ryden fan already. Yeah, so yeah. Mark uh-huh. Ryden has the sickest frame. He does, yeah. So it was like with my work, and you know, and we're all trying to like find ourselves as artists, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to mature. I haven't matured at all as an artist. I'm still like a baby, if you ask me. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not trying to get into galleries right now or anything like that. I don't want representation or fame. It would be the wrong time mm-hmm. and so I'm just building my craft still you know Vatican's just like a extension of my like education you know like I don't I don't necessarily have to make frames for other people if I wanted to I could I could do things a totally different way and but uh yeah I'm trying to tangent but uh mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, so I so I knew I wanted to make frames, and I found out about landscape painting. So I left Florence. I came back to Fresno. Okay. December third, twenty eleven, and by January third, twenty eleven, I had procured a large art studio in downtown Fresno, in uh, Chinatown. Okay. And that was a blast. We had fun. Did a lot of painting and started collecting my tools to build frames there oh and, really uh, had a little wood shop set up with a table saw and a chop saw and a router and those were the first three tools and a power drill and just basic stuff mm-hmm. and um, those were the first three tools um, that I got to try and make frames you know and then from there we just basically um Landscape painted as much as possible, or painted inside, or okay. did some cast studies, or still life, or you know, just mm-hmm. tried to do like keep on like an academic regimen. Got you. And uh, also, all while uh, not having a job, just selling artwork mm-hmm. and collecting the stuff to make frames. So put a lot of it on the credit card mm-hmm. still paying it so yeah, you <laughs> so. brought that but you brought back you went you got the Florence yeah. education you brought it back yeah. and spread started, the word and yeah. gave it to your friends and yeah. started helping them to develop and learn yeah. that technique yeah. which Sean is that mm-hmm. shout out to yeah. Norbert one of my other mentors I got, we, we give it up here you know one thing that I, I you know when I first went to Broadway Studios, it was 2010, right? And I believe you had a studio there at that time. Cause, uh, I had one over the summer. Okay. For like two months. I okay. just set up shop and mm-hmm. did things. Yeah. Just kept it going. But you know? didn't you have, like, didn't you show at Art Hop, you know, like landscapes and stuff like that? Like yeah, then, yeah. I did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think I remember seeing those 
like walking by, looking in there, going in, being like, oh man, this is like, this shit's nuts. Like, this is like, all right, I'm, yeah. you know, like super intimidating. And then that was when I met my cow. And then, you know, mm -hmm. I got an opportunity to show, boom, you know, fast forward. So less about that, more about, you know, um, the, because you, you have, there's a lot of, of things to cover, you know, in your yeah. art career. So um, my question is, so from there, I know that you guys kind of had a movement and you had taught at the art house, right? You guys had the studio. Yeah, we taught at the art house for a little bit. That didn't work out. Um, had a good reaction. Uh, people kind of tapered off when they learned that it was, it was hard work. And you're just standing there, sight size mode walking back and forth all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just eye training. It's not like something you're going to do for the rest of your art career. You know, you might not even touch an easel again right. after learning to draw academically, you know? Mm. You might be able... You, it opens new pathways in your mind to learn anything graphic or design-oriented. Because wow. the human's the most complex thing you can possibly study. And if you can draw the light and the shadow in the form of a human, man, that's like next to godliness, you know. You can do anything. Man. Once you learn that, you can design, you know, whatever you want. You can mm -hmm. do architecture. You right. Because you you're know, developing a skill and then you can apply that. It's like a superhuman sense of, like, seeing, mm. you know. Okay, you yeah. Take things apart and put them back together, you know. So, mm -hmm. everybody, you know, that wants to really refine their craft as an artist should really learn to draw because, the, like, the amateur drawer is very noticeable among trained draftsmen. Right, right, yeah. The more I, like, look you at myself, like... fool the noble <laughs> eye. <laughs> not, no one's fooling the noble eye. Mm -hmm. You think you are, but they see every law mm -hmm. and it's you know uh, I think style is just a evidence of your limitations in a sense like if you can have no style and draw nature flawlessly and honestly then you can have any style you want wow yeah yeah you know I mean, Picasso said it took him, you know, a handful of years to be, learn how to paint like a master, and then it took the rest of his life to learn how to paint like a child, mm -hmm. you know, so. Right. But the thing about that also is, you know, um, children, when they try to do things, it's the infinite possibilities of your mind and you yeah. know like they there's no limitations there's know. this there's this whole like i swear to god it's a conspiracy against people and it's like there's these people that say oh if you learn classical drawing you you'll lose all your ability to be creative and you'll, you'll lose all your style and and i think that's like the worst thing you can possibly say to somebody because like after you learn classical drawing, your brain explodes. It becomes like this infinite machine that yeah. can think and do anything. Mm -hmm. And it's like totally like 
dialed and wired right to do whatever the fuck you want. Mm. You know, like, I mean, I started practicing, like, ornamental design, you know, with my frames and uh-huh. stuff. And, like, man, I don't see, like, I don't see too many people doing that. Right, yeah, you know? they're not. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, magic, yeah. and I can mm-hmm. just throw them out. Yeah. It took a lot of practice, mm-hmm. but it you know, once I learned to draw, I mm-hmm. like understood rhythm and design, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's all with the human. And this is stuff. true, but so. I mean, walking around here, and I can say from firsthand, you do a fair amount of those ornamental drawings before yeah. you throw them up. Like I've seen just sheets I've and done sheets, thousands. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. a lot of them, like endlessly, like on receipts, <laughs> you know, on yeah, anything. I you know, if, if I have to sit somewhere for a long period of time, I'll mm-hmm. just work on a really intense design nice just work it out and make sure the rhythms work and it's like fundamental drawing goes it all has a part of it because it's all human humans are all designed with the golden section and golden ratio Ratio, yeah that that thing is in everything it's a mathematical truth Mm. you know and so it's like once you start seeing those those rhythms you can see them in everything. You can design beautiful things. You can design anything beautiful you possibly want. Like I got into web design after Florence Academy and learned web design because uh, my girlfriend was pregnant mm. and I needed to make some money. But right. it was also something that aligned with my career as an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I started working on that. And I started getting really good at it really quickly. Um, now I hate doing it, and I haven't touched it in a while. Right. You know, um, so whatever you're going to do, you have to exercise, but that's a whole different topic. But, you know, it goes into everything. That mm-hmm. academic drawing made my web design better. Mm, and it has nothing good. to do with picking up a paintbrush or a pencil. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. See, that's game right there. Yeah. Okay. I, you know. Um, it's like these artists think that they can get away with being self-taught and... Like, they're just doing themselves a big disservice. Okay, yeah, let's go into that. Let's dive into that. They're just hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, noble eye sees your drawing errors. Mm-hmm. You're not fooling anybody. You're not, and it's like these big galleries, they they can tell when an artist has been academically trained or right. not. Or there's some of them out there that aren't trained, but all they've done is learn to see. Okay. And they taught themselves. So, it's like, I don't know, it's a weird topic. Like, you know, you either have to do that and be completely insane and, like, teach yourself to see. And, I mean, a lot of those self-taught guys, they're not stupid. Like, they're... True. They went and found the drawing lessons on the internet. Yeah. And they copied a million photos to the pixel you know right. like and did it over and over until they had it down to a science but mm-hmm. you know even you know even some of the best self-taught people you see the holes in there right abilities. yeah definitely yeah because you know for me that's how okay sitting reading books and trying to transcribe this and then going from that to having someone say like okay hey 
all right, we need to make sure that everything is 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 right. Make sure that the easel is straight. Make sure that you have tape yeah. on the ground oh, nice. so you're standing yeah. here. Make sure your shoulders are square. You know, like make all of these things. Make sure you have your plumb line. All of those things I yeah. never really knew and made uh, a practice and, yeah. and a habit until. Well, that's the training. That's the brain training part, you know. You do that long enough and you get your brain trained and then you're kind of free. And I mean, you can, and the less you use that part of your brain, the more uh, weak it gets. Mm. So it's like if I, if I ever wanted to get back into realism, for example, and start painting like figures again, I, I would have to go to Florence Academy again, or I'd have to go and find like a collective crew that painted from the figure every day. Got you. There's no way I could do it without it like you're just gonna get weaker and weaker mm, yeah I think you know mm -hmm. and that's why I'm, I'm seeing uh, as the, so okay so let me ask you this because Nigel you have a lot of like relationships with a lot of you know prominent artists throughout the uh, you know community and stuff like that so why don't you talk about some of the things that you know um, you know that you've kind of noticed with what their practices are as opposed to like the common everyday you know artist who's you know trying to make it um practices in like uh work or, ethic or just or... yeah just any differences that you may see that you know people might might not think about um i mean i don't know like these i mean i i talk to a lot of painters mm -hmm. um really regularly and sometimes we'll get into pretty deep conversations about stuff okay i mean one of the things i do know is that like even if you're way up at the top it can be still difficult to even survive as an artist you mm. know and um like like for example like i know artists that have been on the covers of the biggest magazines and they're like barely scraping by still you know wow and I also know artists that have been on the covers of magazines and they're doing fantastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, the ones that are doing fantastic is a fine percentile of them. And a lot mm -hmm. of them still struggle. A lot of them live with their parents. Um, that seems to be, you know, pretty common. Wow. Um, and, I mean... I don't think there's any shame in that. Yeah, I yeah. My parents, mm -hmm. and I don't care because we're family, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm still a student, and so you know, a lot of students live with their parents. So mm -hmm. there's no, uh, I don't have any a shred of shame. Right. Yeah, and, and it's the more about tells you. It's like you got to have a big house to be successful, and it's like. It depends yeah, on the culture, blah, blah, blah. though. Yeah. Because some cultures are like, hey, why don't you live with us until you have enough to buy up the block, and then yeah. you just move out, and then you have your own. You know, like, yeah. so it yeah. just, it totally depends on the culture. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in Western culture, they always say, you know, follow your passion. You'll do fine. You'll, it'll work out. And it's like, uh, in Eastern culture, like Chinese culture, they say, you know, following your passion's a luxury. Mm. And you only get to follow your passion once you got your shit together. You wow. have your finances in order. You're taking care of your kids and your parents both, you know. Then uh -huh. you can start following your passion. 
Gotcha. And I mean, I see how that could limit uh, creativity in that culture. And I could see how doing it, our Western way of following your passion, like, could really spark a lot of uh, creativity. Right. But I think I kind of uh, I kind of wish I knew that when I was eighteen, um, the Eastern philosophy, because I would have um, I might have done it different. Okay. But I don't have any regrets. You know, I'm still poor. <laughs> Got you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people think I'm balling, but I'm not. You know, I have a small business. It's still small too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all trying to make it. We're <laughs> no. all trying to make it. Yeah, yeah man. No. You know, it's the artist hustle. You know, we're definitely out here. So, let me ask you this. Um, so, being, you know, do you feel like being in the art world on the painting side, like, where are the differences being in the painting side and being on the framing side? Framing side is insanity because you have, like, a lot of people hitting you up for stuff and you have to do this task that's, like, 50 steps. And you have to do it in three days mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. And sometimes you have three weeks and sometimes you have three months and, you know. Um, so you have a lot of people depending on you, whereas, like, with art, unless you're, like, a really big name, um, there's not as many people depending on you. Hmm. And once you get your name to where people are depending on you, um, that can be scary. Because then you have to be talented all the time. You have to be a genius all the time. Mm. Because if that gallery doesn't like sell your paintings, they could have a bad month, and they might find someone better to sell. You know, it's like really high, highly competitive and complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got all of these people who are at the at the top of the food chain, and they're all searching for those spots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, should I talk about this? Maybe. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to the shits, <laughs> no, man. Like, it's like I, I frame for a lot, like a handful of artists in Arcadia, and, and I hear I hear the same thing from a lot of them, and it's like they uh, they want like a show, but the owner just wants to do like these big group shows mm. and kind of cherry pick out, you know what. Uh, his favorite things are because he's a mm. he's a really huge art lover, the owner of Arcadia, yeah. and, and so he uh, kind of just picks his favorite pieces from everybody, and you know every, everybody wants like representation and being like put on the pedestal yeah. and having solo shows, but um, it doesn't happen too often at that spot. Wow. Um, but everybody wants it to happen and everybody wants it to be them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And they, you know, they think like, oh, if I show in Arcadia, it's going to get sold. And it doesn't always happen because there's like all the really top like realists in there. And, mm-hmm. and it's like a giant cockfight, just like, yeah, you know, putting two chickens against each other. I don't know. Maybe not. Well, I would I would more compare it to like the dream team 
right? So you have like everybody, you got you got Carl Malone, you got Michael Jordan, you got Magic, you know, and they're all in one spot yeah. at one time. Or kind of like Apple where every every product competes with the other product too. Mm, you know, it's like okay. the iPhone, you know, you want the small iPhone or you want the big iPhone. Oh, or you want yeah. the, the the MacBook or you want the MacBook Pro mm, or you, want, you know, it's like got you. you have all these different like it's like overwhelming. You want them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Which you know. only for one. <laughs> you, you know, and, and I mean, um, it. Uh, I'm not sure if there's just a lot of really good artists, or if the art market is like peaked, and like how many people are into realist painting. Right. I don't. I don't really know. Okay. It's, or if it's just the economy. Um, you know, there's a lot of. You know, it seems like. People are doing pretty good, but it, I I've heard every side of the spectrum. Yeah, for like, sure. I'm doing great right now. Give me a bunch mm-hmm. of frames, and I'm doing shitty right now. Right. I only need a few small ones. Got you. You know. Yeah, it's man, and people don't know until they get into it, and that's why yeah. we that's why we have these conversations, Nigel, because you know this podcast is by artists and it's for artists and art lovers so you yeah. know there are things that you that you wouldn't know before you get into this yeah. um so you know a- after seeing that does that motivate you to stay more on the framing side um that's a funny question cuz i I mean, you know, you're dad, I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't really, uh, I've become a stoicist lately. You know, you know it's mm-hmm. yeah. Greek stoicism. Yeah. And it's Mark, like, I've been really into Marcus Aurelius. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and like, I'd almost just, uh, sometimes I'd rather just work like a regular job and just like, you know, let's do something really simple, not so complicated as this, because this is like running the Vatican is extremely complicated. Yeah, yeah, it's um, definitely. I mean, God, I did, I never imagined myself uh, being a business owner who makes these like fine art frames for really big artists. Yeah, and uh, the pressure is insane. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be really nitpicky. Like, you know, we'll be working on this frame for, like, weeks, and there'll be something that I don't like, and, like, that needs to be fixed still. And they're just like, ah. Or I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever has to fix it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, um, you know, uh, artists, I think, have to remember that the number one priority should be their happiness okay and um to not let to not be so stuck in your own dogma that you like lose your mind Mm. like trying to be an artist okay you know it's like it's a passion so you know it based on eastern philosophy it's like it's probably best to like just make sure you got your bills paid and then do your hobby keep it as a hobby and keep having fun with it because if you treat doing an artist being an artist like a job 
early early on you get it's a recipe for burning out on mm. your own artwork okay and I mean I've I worked so hard <laughs> that mm -hmm. I've burnt out countless times where I just like can't do it right now I have to take like weeks off and which I think is healthy that's that's your if that happens to you that's your your mind telling you that it needs a break mm -hmm. you know it's talking to you and you should listen because there's no point in forcing artwork when you're not in the mood right. to do it but then if you're you know let's say you're a professional artist and you get to the top of the totem pole and you're put in that position where you have to constantly produce because of your new lifestyle that you're used to it could be a really sketchy disastrous point to be you know well because you're on thin ice <laughs> you have shit to lose mm. you know so it happens it's happened it happened to Rembrandt you know it's happened to mm -hmm. a lot of you know a lot of artists throughout history mm -hmm. I mean there's like con countless stories was it Rembrandt yeah. investing in real estate too or something like that I'm not sure he went bankrupt a couple times mm -hmm. and he outlived all of his family mm -hmm. <laughs> so, sick yeah that's clowning man um so you know I know we're kind of we're, we're getting up toward the 45 minute hour mark um so I kind of want to ask you a few more questions yeah. uh Nigel when you're working what kind of music do you listen to um all electronic music, pretty much. Okay, okay. Keep that high energy going. Yeah. Okay, okay. Everything from drum and bass to deep house to break core and ambient and uh, everything in between. I'm a big connoisseur of electronic music. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I, I feel like that's important because, you know, as, as artists, there's more to us than just the artwork, you know. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that, it definitely helps being around uh, to create, you know, the the whole, the, the pace of the day and things like that. So, you know, I would have to, um, I would have to think... One thing that stands out to me, you know, when I uh, when I come in here and I look at look at a lot of these frames is, you know, um, man, there's you have a, a bunch of different styles from the tabernacle and then you, the, the arch frames. So how long has it actually taken you to, to, you know, come up with the designs that you have and how long do you typically work on a new frame design like before you try it out i had basically designed most of my frames back um i want to say in florence like the basic concepts okay. and principles of the design uh -huh. and my aesthetic so I kind of knew what I wanted to do, um, and I knew, let's see, yeah, I mean, I, I went around to the museums and I drew my favorite profiles, I drew copies of the profile designs that I liked, and then I kind of, um, you know, once you draw it, you kind of store it in your brain, uh -huh. and like, you, you know how you can like 
open a sketchbook and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that day and I remember thinking about these things mm -hmm. when you see that old drawing, you know. And so um, I was basically on the quest <clears throat> to figure it out, you know, on my own because, I mean, you can't do much in Florence. Like, it's really hard. Everything's expensive. Right. Space is expensive. Um, you know, to just go and set up a wood shop in Florence, and I wouldn't know where to start. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know how to f support myself there. Right. So that's why I was like, I go back to what I know. So that's interesting. You went and you know looked at the frames and did the sketches. Yeah, lots of them. And like a book of profile designs, corner designs to put on the frames when I got the frames. Mm -hmm. whole game plan kind of sorted out in my mind and I mean then when I when I like really wanted to when I got it in my head that, that I wanted to figure out frames because it's like you have to have cool frames on your artwork right you know? like you can't show up to a nice art gallery like a Michaels frame you know right you, you need something cool mm -hmm. you know you need a nice tuxedo mm-hmm it makes a huge difference. I was thinking back to writing, you know, and I like Michael Asar's frames. And, um, you know, the framer, the artist I wish had better frames is Odnergium. I wish I could frame all of Odnergium's stuff. Mm -hmm. Like these giant monumental, like, you know, $10,000 frames. Uh. <laughs> like, build, you know, it'd be cool to build like 12 frames for Odnergium a year. That'd be 10,000 cool. a piece. <laughs> Whoa. <coughs> That's what mm -hmm. I think his work deserves. Mm -hmm. His older work, for sure. I'm not huge into his newer work. Uh huh. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, if we now let's talk that talk since we on it. Top five dead or alive artists, if you like, that you would frame their stuff. Like, who are they? Give me your top five. I want to frame these guys' stuff. Oh, Dead I or mean, alive. Um, uh, Hussar, I, I framed Hussar's work, Michael Hussar. Um, I framed Jeremy Lipking, uh, Renato Musio, some of my favorite landscape painters. Um, and then, you know, uh, a Nerdrum would be cool. Um, I think it'd be cool to frame a sergeant. Mm. And there's a few more. Okay. Um, I'd like to frame like a HR Geiger. Mm, that'd be sick. And yeah. I'd like to frame Alex Gray's work. Mm. And Allison Gray. Mm. I really like. I like the psychedelic art. Uh huh. Um. And that'd probably be it. I'm okay. supposed to make frames for an artist named Hiro Yoshi. Okay. From Japan, he only does a few paintings a year, and he does like hyper detailed, microscopic, like naturalist paintings. Oh shit! So he needs like these really small, ornate tabernacle frames. Okay, that's why you're gearing up the new stuff, the new tech. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that'll be cool on that. Yeah, that'll be cool. So, you put that in the work. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's coming up. And I'm supposed to build a frame for uh, 
Kat Von D. Mm. She owns a Odd Nurgent painting. So okay. I will get to frame an Odd Nurgent painting soon. Nice. I like how I want to ask you that question. You just started out. You threw some names up. Yeah, man, friend. Uh, you guys do the research. Check out these names. Grab a pen because they're definitely all great artists, you know. As we go through these episodes and these interviews, we really want to highlight, you know, artists and artwork and bring them to the attention of you guys. And if you guys are, you know, in the mood for, you know, taking your artwork to the next level and you're serious about showing, uh, you know, hit up the Vatican. Um, we'll put the link, you know, in the description so you guys can get in contact with them. But they have fantastic frames. You know, I have a few of them. Um, and they just, I mean, it takes your artwork to a whole nother galaxy. And after that, it's just like, you don't, you don't want anything else on your yeah. stuff. <laughs> you I mean, don't, you man. Know, there's, 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 well, you know, while you mentioned that, there is a few other framers that I really, really love. Okay. Um, like Red Ashby is one. Um, check him out, ashbyframes.com. Uh, one of my big influences, Troy Stafford. Um, I don't know how many frames he's making. Okay. these days but he's really expensive but he's really good um, and then there's Masterworks Frames which is like uh, Red Ashby's um, brother company Okay. and then um, there's a guy up in uh, Fort Collins Colorado, Colorado uh, Brian Smith Frames is really good does amazing work frames a lot of famous artists like Joshua LaRock mm. and, uh, and whatnot. and then um, there is Gold River Gallery, who does amazing. His name's Travis Humphreys. Um, he does amazing hand-carved, like, Western-style frames that are really sick. Okay. Like, I feel like a baby looking at his work. Yeah, I might have to look into that. Bad. Yeah. And then um, the best contemporary framer that does, like, modern styles is uh, Jerry Curian, Curian & Co. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, I do sick. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's a genius and they're all geniuses mm -hmm. um, a lot goes into they, this man they think I'm really good and I'm like I, don't, I think you guys are really good <laughs> I know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just man. do simple stuff you know but I don't know I mean maybe the academic training did help yeah definitely know? like you said it carried over yeah. into everything that you're trying to do yes yeah, those, are, those are my favorite framers um there's one other, but I can't remember his name. Okay. So. Yep. What's the fa What What are your two favorite places uh, to eat? Oh, to eat? Mm -hmm. I like uh, Flood 99, number mm -hmm. 33. Mm -hmm. That's the dish. It's the spicy chicken. It's my favorite thing to eat in Fresno. Okay. I always treat myself to that when I had a chance. Um... And then my other favorite thing to eat is probably toss-up between sushi and Eureka Burger. Mmm. So those are my favorite. Umi Sushi is my sushi spot. What do you usually get there? Uh, like the OMG roll and then and everything else, pretty much. <laughs> OMG is like a deep-fried, delicious 
Roll. Okay. See, with spicy you got, yeah, you got That's me there. Sinful. Okay, I'm there. Yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, it's, okay. It's naughty. naughty yeah, food. yeah, you had me. Okay, I'm with that. We have to, yeah, we have to check yeah. that out. That's sick, man. That's dope. Yeah. So, Nigel, you know, I, we've talked a lot about framing, but I do want to just touch a little bit more about playing there, you know, as we're kind of getting in the tail end of this. So, like, um, what would you say, because you started painting, you know, in, in Florence, playing there, correct? Yeah. And then you, you came here. So what would you say, or do you feel like there are any differences painting there, like as far as the landscape versus here? Or do you feel like it's just recording the, the information? The okay. I mean, landscape's landscape. I mean, uh, the light in Italy is similar to Italian light. Um, still going to be mixing the same colors, you know? Mm. Um, landscape painting's just, it's, uh, extremely difficult because it's costly and you're at, you know, you have to know your, like, global position in mm -hmm. a sense, like, you gotta know what the light's gonna do and where the sun's moving. You're, like, either painting into the effect or out of the effect, so you have to understand those light principles and then <clears throat> on top of that you're dealing with like random people I've been attacked by a goose before that's how you sent me that meme oh I yeah, get it yeah, now I get it <laughs> evil. especially if they're mad at you and this one I was on his turf and he's like you know really pissed he's about to wow. me to death wow the killer goose yeah oh. and so you're dealing with that stuff you're dealing with the sun mm -hmm. I mean uh, last time well I went out for the Jeremy Lipking painting workshop and I kind of tagged along for a couple days there and nice. kinda, like the forest caught on fire it wasn't me it was someone in Mariposa or something in Mariposa. It ain't but, my you know, that thing was like, I couldn't go back through the park to go home. I had to take the long route. So it's oh. it's expensive and um, things always change and weather changes. And, you know, you, there's like a thunderstorm coming. And you're standing next to a metal rod. Yeah. You know, it might not be a good idea. <laughs> it's all in God's hands at that point, <laughs> you know. God's plan. Yeah, yeah, man. And, mm. I don't know, but, um, you know, and, and then on being a, like, I don't think, I don't recommend people go pursue careers in landscape painting, because mm -hmm. if you start doing your homework on the landscape painters that are painting right now, wow. you find that there's a crazy amount of really good landscape painters, and it's saturated with them, mm. um, but that doesn't mean I think that you shouldn't go landscape painting I, I think everybody should go do as many landscape paintings as possible right um, as many as they can afford to do because you learn so much about light and shadow and what form is doing when given given the lighting situations mm -hmm. and, and uh, it's really good for your understanding of color and form and uh painting fast it's just a 
really good solid exercise on you know fundamentals mm-hmm. and seeing and getting better as an artist right yeah definitely the the times that I've painted plein air it's definitely a challenge but I feel like I come away a stronger painter yeah you know and that's that's one thing like my that, landscape uh, painting teacher uh, Leo uh, said you gotta do like a hundred before you start getting some good ones you know you might get one or two good ones early on um, okay we're yeah, back so Leo said you had to do a hundred paintings before you get a good one and and so that was that was my whole thing it's like I'm gonna do a bunch but really what I was doing when I was plein air painting all the time is I was funding getting my framing equipment mm, so okay plein air paintings to pay for my framing equipment I had to take out a loan for that for like four grand the first loan was four grand and you know still like 15 grand in the hole mm. for my toys mm, yeah <laughs> so, yeah so it's part of being in business yeah 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 so and you know so talk can you go a little bit more into that though like you said you did plain air paintings to fund your to the so can you talk more about that yeah i mean i i wanted to learn to make frames because i thought that was a good uh you know i wanted cool frames for my work but then it's like you know all these other artists need cool frames too Mm -hmm. and and so that's why I started it. It's like I need to uh, be able to support myself and still do a creative thing and still paint. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can paint and make frames. That's perfect, you know. Now painting, uh, now making frames is taking up all my time and energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, a little bit in that conundrum. And but you know, honestly, like I really don't even want to paint that much anymore anyway like I'm trying to figure some other shit out now okay <laughs> okay Try <to> kinda, <coughs> you know so interesting um, deep subject yeah there, I'll have to get into another in another period definitely definitely yeah we'll save that we'll save that um so my um my thing is, you know, when I when I came and you know I was able to experience the whole effect of how you put put the frames together, you know, from like hand the and it's it's really a complicated process and it's a it's a very meticulous it's a it's a fine like it's yeah. you know you go through with a fine tooth comb you know yeah it's insane and um would you say that like you know because I, I heard you say applying that to learning academic art and then you can apply that to everything. It's evident that you applied that to the framing. So would you suggest that, you know, if people are wanting to excel their art, like find some sort of like academic outlet yeah. in order to, you know, get some sort of training to really get to that next level? Yeah, learning to see is fundamental, you know, and learning to explain what you see with honest precision is absolutely fundamental to being a good artist and and uh you know being an artist in general i think like it's 
you know, I mean, historically, all the best artists were academically trained. Mm -hmm. Right, know, that's true. Even down to Picasso, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't do anything academic when he was old. And, right. Um, you know, so um, all the best artists now are mostly academically trained. There's, there's a handful of uh, self-taught guys out there, but all the... You know, most of those self-taught guys have gone and taken workshops. They've still taken classes. Mm. Like, no one's fully self-trained. Yeah, you know, that's, that's true. When they say that, it's a lie, if you mm -hmm. ask me. You yeah. Know, something taught them, you know. They went and talked to somebody. You know, even, even just, I think, like, going and having a conversation with another artist who's up there and... Uh, you know, knows what they're doing and has had teachers that makes that doesn't make you self taught anymore. Like because you, someone taught you something. Right. You didn't just like lock yourself in a box and <laughs> teach yourself to do art. Like you went out and talked to people. So you're Facts. lying, you know? And it's like Stop that already! Right, right, <laughs> no, right, right, right. And no one cares if you're self-taught. Like, yeah, you're there. It's more frowned upon, and all these people do that, and it's like, dude, you're just hurting yourself. And it's like, no one's gonna be honest with you and tell you. I mean, it's like if you hear it, if this is the first time you're hearing it, it's because I'm like being honest. Mm. You know? Yeah. I'm not gonna. I don't have any reason to bullshit. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, get that drawing skills unlocked, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 get some classical. Don't yeah. tell yourself it's... you're good. Like, that's the worst thing you can do is tell yourself you're dope mm -hmm. and you're good at what you do because there's a lot more out there. There's so a much lot more of good people out there who are really fucking good. Yeah. And I mean... I mean, I'm at the point where I don't really see art as a competition, like, art is just art, and, but for those people that do see it as a competition, who are trying to be, like, the best, uh -huh. you know, that's how you have to look at it, because if you don't, then you're just kidding yourself, you're setting up yourself for a horrible failure, and you're going to become really cynical mm -hmm. and fucked up in the head after you get reality dropped on your face. Right, and you know what? But when I hear you say that, it's what I get kind of from it is so these the killers they all have you know they all have you know education in their background, and then you if you want to compete with the killers and lock yourself in a room and like get the game and then try to go out there, and then there's just it's the scales are tipped like not yeah. in your favor, yeah. you know. Because there's just all of these, there's all of these things, yeah. And then the reality check hits. Yeah, of, yeah. Well, and then the other reality check is like, do you have the finances to even be an artist in the first place? And it's like, uh, I guarantee you, most of these huge artists had big financial backing in mm. some way or another, whether it was just getting a giant warehouse to rent for free because knew somebody uh -huh. or you know like 
wealth isn't necessarily always a dollar amount when you're an artist it's it's your connections too you know mm. how how wealthy are your connections like how how much can uh, your patron like support you right and uh, you know a lot of these big artists they've had some really serious patrons you know whether they married into money or they knew they had a rich family um, but uh, you know the the lower your income is the more odds are stacked against you in the art world and like a lot of people are afraid to say that but that's good that's, to hear, though. I fucking, it's the truth, man. Man, like it's, it's really hard to just come up from nothing, you know. And like, I've had a lot of money put into my artistic knowledge, mm -hmm. like a ton, like at least six figures, you know. Mm. And look where I'm at. I'm still struggling. You know, right, and I had six figures pumped well, into my artistic yeah. career. <clears throat> well, <laughs> so, true. Yeah, well, I'm you know what's interesting, right? But well, I don't know. Like, I don't. Know. I feel like your struggle is yeah. In your eyes, you might be struggling, right? But like, struggle is relative. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah I'm. You like I'm struggling, but you're still able to have relationships that you know that you didn't have. You're still able to make. Uh, like these frames that if you really wanted to like when you do get time or like when you have your own work like your work always stays fitted up it always stays with a tight yeah. frame so like when you do you know get out you go and you paint something you have the best of the best around yourself so I feel like that's yeah. that's really cool it makes a difference yeah um, using good art supplies is a must these days you know don't paint on shit and don't paint with shit is a big, big uh, piece of advice because, you know, the professionals aren't, you know, the big gallery artists aren't like, right. painting on good shit. Mm -hmm. yep. If you're going to try and submit a piece of work to a high-end gallery and it's painted on something... Some Michael's canvas. They're I was going to say like, cardboard. Or, yeah, or cardboard or whatever, yeah. you know. That's... Mm -hmm. uh, you're gonna look bad, and they're not gonna take you seriously. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think being taken seriously is like a big. It's half the battle. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, that was, <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna tell you something. I learned that just from being out and it, wardrobe. You know, yeah. like I, dressing nice is one thing but like dressing professional is another thing yeah. and like and you know showing my art i feel dressing professional definitely lends yeah. you know more of a you know an invested feeling this is my craft and i'm really taking this seriously yeah. Yeah. as opposed to hey i just came and i mean if your work speaks volumes then that can be your thing but there's nothing like you know taking yourself seriously so other people yeah. can take you seriously yeah yeah, pres presentation's a big thing, like, don't just hang canvases on the wall, you know, like, if you are going to hang a canvas on the wall, paint the sides black, like, there's there's a mm. right way and wrong way to do things as an artist, and, mm. and a lot of a lot of people just refuse to believe it, and mm. kind of need to believe it, <laughs> if you're yeah. going to 
you're going to make a dent, you know, and, uh, you know, so, and, you know, making frames is not rocket science either, you know, like, in, I started with a table saw, a router, and a chop saw, and I made frames, and they look cool, and people liked them, mm -hmm. you know, and I painted, I painted my early paintings, or, uh, frames with house paint, you know, I, I didn't know where to find the, whoops. <laughs> Um, I didn't know where to find the good stuff in America, and ordering the stuff from Italy was too expensive, and, mm. and uh, so I didn't know what to do. I was poor. I just started making them anyway, and then um, luckily uh, I showed one of my early frames to uh, Red Ashby, the framer I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. and he gave me some really priceless pointers, and I wouldn't be here today without him. Nice. Um, and... Uh, Shout Thanks. out to Red Ashby. Shout out to Red Ashby and shout out to Ryan Brown for uh, introducing me. And then shout out to Tyler Wilkes for introducing me to Ryan Brown. Um, and uh, yeah, so a few things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Nigel, I appreciate you having me in your shop, man. You know, um, you know, I so. Wrapping up, do you have like any final thoughts that you would, you know, lend to people who are creating uh, your artwork um, or trying to get into the game in general? Um, sh uh, what's what's the last question again? Sorry. Yeah, uh, it was. Did do you have any thoughts that you would lend? Because you've given out a lot of game in this in this uh, episode, and I definitely appreciate it. The the family appreciates it. Um, is there any final thoughts that you would like for people? You know, to just think about because you've given us a lot um, of stuff. And then I, I have two final questions for you. But um, do you have like if if anybody wants to get into framing, like what are some things that they would want to think about, you know, before they get in? Like, okay, let me just stop. What is if you could go back and talk to young Nigel before you got into framing, like right now, what would you say to young Nigel? Oh God, don't do it. Yeah, I would probably say just don't do it. <laughs> okay, okay. And I mean, then, okay, so do what instead. It's insanity. Then. It's like the hardest thing. Like, you might as well be building iPhones from scratch by yourself. Like, Damn. I mean, it's it's hard work, um, you know. You have to source your lumber, and then you have to mill it down, and then you have to chop it at this, like, hairline accuracy. Um, and assembling it and finishing it and handling gold is a pain in the ass it gets a lot easier after you do a hundred frames um, but I mean that's if you even want to use real gold you could just paint your frames black mm. and you'd look better than not having a frame uh -huh. you know making a making simple frames is a challenge too though because any wonkiness is really apparent mm. um, and um, yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know, man, I mean, if I was to tell young Nigel, I was just talking to my mom about this, and I was like, I, I wish I just, like, pursued some, like, 
simple career and like not focused on art so much mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's it's like it's a really damn near impossible field to to make it in but mm-hmm. I mean I wouldn't change anything either you know mm-hmm. I'm happy I've done this I've had a great time doing it um, yeah you know it just sucks when you get burnt out mm-hmm. and I mean if you know me you know I work hard yeah and so, work ethic is on 12 yeah <laughs> like not 10 12 show up every day and I work my ass off until I'm like wiped yeah, out man. and then I leave and then I do it again the next day and, and uh, you know there's a million million little technical problems that you're going to run into yeah um, I mean, just getting your head in the right space to create is hard enough with all the outside pressures and the smartphones that we have today. And it's like, I feel like before smartphones came along, it was a lot easier to focus. I think, I think uh, the whole smartphone thing has been like a giant, like, uh, I don't know, experiment to make people slow. Mm. You know, they was like put out to be like, oh, this is going to... Uh, enhance your productivity and make uh, you more productive and it's been the exact opposite yeah you know and everybody let these things into their lives and now everybody's like hooked on them they're just scrolling through Instagram because it's escapism and before smartphones came along escapism for me I would escape into my artwork and now it's like I escape from my artwork into my phone or you know and I'm sure I'm not the only person out there yeah we all are guilty and it's like man if I could invent one thing uninvent one thing it'd be it'd be smartphones because it'd <laughs> make my creative life so much more productive you know right like, I almost feel like uh, you know a good good piece of advice for artists is like if uh, set like a time of day that you work you know if you like if you work ten to ten to five, for example, uh, and you you just leave your phone out, you leave your phone at home completely, and you have like a dumb phone just for emergencies, like mm-hmm. a Nokia brick that you can't like go scroll through <laughs> the internet with, right. like in case you know some emergency happens. That's that would be like a good strategy for beating this thing. Right. These things are going to rob you of your time, and you can't, you can't get that time back. True. You know, you, you can spend it, you know, you can use it, but once it's gone, it's gone. Mm. You know? And uh, so, you know, and it's like, if you want to be an artist, you got to be careful what you wish for too, because it's like, if you want to spend six to ten hours a day with your arm up. At a canvas producing these things for galleries to sell that they're going to take half your money on and you're going to have to pay for your studio rent all your food you know all your bills with the other half it's it's a it's a, it's not an easy life so um, you know be careful what you ask for mm. if you're going to try and pursue a career in fine art it's crazy yeah like I got friends that worked at bike shops. Man, they're doing great. Like, <laughs> like they got, you know, all the 
comforts you could ever want. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. from just keeping it simple. Right. Like working and fixing people's bikes. It's like how you fit into society is up to you, you know, it's like um we need art. Don't get me wrong, but we also need to have a purpose. Humans need a purpose. And right. Art doesn't always fill your actual purpose because it's your passion. Mm. You know? So you might not be contributing as much to the world as you need to by, like, being an artist. You know, there's... Wow, that's an interesting. I've never thought about it like that. But continue, shit. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, that's what I think about a lot. You know, I was. That's why I was like having a hard time even like doing art. It's like, am I really making society better? And it's like, I feel like there is purpose in making frames because I'm helping these like really great artists look just that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with their shows and making their career work and they rely on me and in turn I rely on them so there's this weird codependency and um, you know it's it's really cool um, I enjoy it I don't know if I'm going to do it forever I don't okay. know if I'm going to keep it open forever mm-hmm. I, I, I set out to make you know learn to make frames I'm still not done with my most like complex ideas that I want to reach gotcha. so um I have a feeling I will keep pushing towards that goal until I reach it, and I don't know what I'm going to do from there. Mm. I might just want to be like, uh, go back to being a bonsai tree farmer, and then like, um, you know, like help old ladies cross the street. <laughs> That's, yeah, I feel good. <laughs> you know, then, the... you know, uh, you know I, I don't know, man, like there's a, like I almost want to go into psychology, you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, I notice, like, a lot of really fucked up people around, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they need psychological help, and there's not enough psychologists, you know? It's like, <laughs> Go to the, the you therapist, feel me, man? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 no, 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 like, definitely, no, I feel you, man. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a, a, there's a need for I've been that. I've called a help. voice of reason by a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I'm like, all I'm doing is thinking about your problem and giving you what I think, and guys seem to really appreciate it so i'm like like maybe maybe i'll be a psychologist after this and then uh and then just make like one painting a year that with one frame a year that's super sick and insane yeah and then show that or something right 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 you know man that'd be crazy you know like just like work on a square inch for like you know couple hours a day mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of this project and, you know I don't know I mean you know I also I'd also like to get into architecture too because I think the architecture these days is atrocious mm-hmm. and hideous compared okay. to like European architecture yeah it's trash right so from what I've seen just in pictures it definitely you know I've never been to Europe but looking at it in comparison yeah I need to go like a giant adult Disneyland nice (laughs) (laughs) that rides though (laughs) I mean you could ride a scooter yeah Yeah. yeah, I'm down I need to get out there I definitely need to need to do that well you know Nigel I definitely appreciate you you know coming out to the art and bullshit podcast. 
uh, we thank you. Do you have any shout outs that you want to give uh, to anybody before we uh, wrap up? Yeah. Uh, shout out to my parents. Shout out to the Vatican family. Uh, shout out to, uh, you know, all the artists out there that are trying to do it. I hope I provided some insight and guidance with all this. Um, from someone who's been an artist for 15 years and uh, yeah don't uh, you know don't do what doesn't make you happy okay so uh, last last few questions Nigel um, what are some of your favorite things to do when you're not painting uh, or, or working like for leisure. I like hanging out with my son. Okay. I like sitting by the river mm -hmm. and uh, contemplating things. Um, I usually don't paint, so I like to paint every once in a while. Um, I would go snowboarding if I had the money to. Okay. Um, and then my car is getting fixed in the shop right now with a fresh motor, so I'm hoping that I can go and drive around again because it hasn't been in the condition to uh, go very far except from work and home so that's probably one of my secrets to my work ethic is just not giving myself even the option to go play right just right. grind and grind got um, you so you know if you want to stay on your uh, art grind just get a shitty car <laughs> make sure you can't do anything but go to work and home <laughs> oh, facts. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So, where can the people find you on the web, Nigel? Uh, follow the Vatican on Instagram. And my painting account is Nigel is Painting. And Vatican website is thebatican.com. And nigelrobertson.com is down because some guy in. Canada jacked my domain name when it expired and I was too busy with the Vatican to notice mm -hmm. so I got jacked they make a business out of that and then they're like you want that yeah. back five thousand dollars exactly like, like ah, hold on man I'm yeah cool. so anyhow <laughs> okay well, and we're gonna post the links and stuff like that um yeah man i appreciate you having us yeah, you know in the shop this is it's been a blast bro i i thoroughly enjoy these conversations um hey guys we'd like to thank you guys for coming out all of the art and bullshit family you can catch us across social media um we'll put the pictures in the uh, description of nigel's work and you know some of the frames that he's done uh, don't forget to share this with your friends. Uh, you know, if you're into art and you enjoy the podcast, family, we'll catch you next time. Once again, this is James Geralt, over and out. Peace.